0: Editor New Ware here, listen you guys, these video interviews are long. And to be fair, all of them are long. I mean, I've had ones that were an hour to four hours long. So I'm breaking them up. However, I couldn't tell you how many videos this particular interview is going to be in, but I try to break them up between 20 and 30 minutes. So I'll leave a link in the description for the playlist for this interview as well as the sequence in which this interview video is. I hope you guys enjoy. So let's just hop right back into it. Welcome back to Chocolate Expresso Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Newair, whatever floats your fancy. You sure already know this by now. If not, check out our other content. I'm sure you'll learn. You'll get acquainted with me quite well. Today we're doing another interview. Um, I love these things. I love reaching out, talking to different people, learning about their job experiences, the community outreach they've been doing, even learning just their stories about how they got to where they're at today. And today I have another one of those lovely people. I'm gonna let her introduce herself.
1: All right. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Ruthie and I'm really excited to be here and to be able to add some wonderful, lovely content to your podcast
0: these interviews mean a lot to me. Hopefully it means a lot to you guys. And, uh, I'm gonna kick it right off and just ask you right away. You know, what do you do? I got some gems (laughs) to drop. So I
1: have been a chronic job hopper my whole life as a proud millennial. I feel like we don't get a job and work at it for 40 years and then retire. That path is no longer sustainable just because of the different downturns in the economy and in, in society. And so, when you ask me what I do, you know, I do a lot, do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, right now, the current place um, that I work, my title is a training and a compliance specialist. So, what is that? So, pretty much every job that you can think of most companies have some sort of job onboarding training process. So at my particular job, that is what I do is I make sure that new employees that are coming in, that they are in compliance with our policies. So that means I might have to train them on a certain software that we use. Um, But as a compliance specialist, essentially, The main function of my job is to make sure that we my company is abiding by standards, primarily funding standards. So if you get X amount of dollars to do X thing, I have to make sure that the X is being done to keep everybody in compliance.
0: Have you ever encountered an employee that just failed at it? Maybe they maybe they just didn't want to be there. You know, job was a job or things weren't clicking in their brain when you mm-hmm. were explaining it to them. Like anyone ever get fired after they just got hired? Has anyone just done it out mm-hmm. of malicious content? You know, how mm-hmm. does. So, the, you, you know, know, the. So what I actually learned is the
1: word legalese. Like everybody speaks all these different languages. But do you speak legalese? Right. And mm. that is. The legal language at your job that is related to not only your performance, but like the function of your job. So the particular place that I work, what I mostly focus on is to um, make sure that staff that work with juvenile offenders, that they are in compliance and that they're trained. Now, me personally, my training style is very people centered So if I'm training you on something that you might not be getting, whether that is you might need retraining because of performance issues, et cetera, um, my thing is to figure out what your learning style is. And to, because that's my job, is to figure out how to train people. So one of the functions of like a good trainer is being able to train anybody. Now, what you're talking about is like, just negligence and like mm-hmm. insubordination. Ain't no, I can't train you. I can't train. <laughs> I, I can't train that out of you. Like that's you know. So I can definitely make the distinction between okay, this person is not trying versus like this person might. Maybe we might need to do some job modifications, or maybe I should explain it to them in this way. So I never assume. I always like assume best intentions. Like I never assume negative. So like for example. I had to train staff on how to write incident reports. So I'm looking at these incident reports and I'm just like, okay, these are, I don't know if they're just not doing them. Maybe their writing is not strong. You know, I don't want to assume that somebody mm. can't write, but I also don't want to assume that somebody can write. So a, a, lot, a big part of my job is figuring out why and then creating a plan, a training plan that best suits the needs of um, the company.
0: Interestingly, when I, when I hear about the onboarding process, like mm-hmm. I've been on the receiving end of an onboarding process is I've mm-hmm. started a new job. I've uh, been at the same job for over basically a decade. So I, but I can remember the process when I went to the job and got mm-hmm. it and I had to do all the steps and stuff like that. Um, things for me click really easily, right? Okay. You can, you, you don't have to explain something to me multiple times. Typically mm-hmm. I can get it right on the first one, but I can only imagine, you know, being, like, for an example, like give ever had anyone under the age of mm-hmm. twenty two start and how did like was there a difference between the age that you've noticed like Absolutely. someone twenty two versus like thirty five or forty starting a job so when you think of onboarding, there are two
1: different types of onboarding. one is like the h r I need to fill out my tax forms. Mm -hmm. I need to do my direct deposit type of onboarding. And then like another type of onboarding is like, okay, who's going to actually train me to do my job functions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm more on that side of, of um, training and compliance. The main difference is that I've noticed, and this has helped me just because I do have parents. So I'm more sensitive to older people returning to the workforce or having to switch jobs, there's there are most of the time tech knowledge gaps. And so a lot of the training that I do is online now because, you know, everything is kind of virtual. Mm-hmm. And so some of the training and compliance that I'm in charge of is self-guided, meaning you need to log into the software that we use and complete the training. So if I see somebody who's not in compliance... And I that again, it's my job as a good trainer to figure out why the compliance is not there. Mm -hmm. And for sometimes people who might be a little bit older, it's because they're like, I don't know how to work this computer. I don't know how to work this software. So then it'll be my job to walk them through how to do it, to make sure that they can do it Um, with young people that come into the workforce, the most training The style of training that I end up having to talk about is a little bit more about like professionalism, Mm -hmm. which is not really a part of my job, but I just, (laughs) but people that look like me that are younger, like if I kind of see you coming in, maybe, you know, you know, office culture is a certain thing and everybody, Mm -hmm. if you don't know, you don't know. And I do think young people entering the workforce nowadays they have less professionalism. Um, Absolutely. So I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Like I can talk about some of the good about it, some of the bad about it, but I definitely do a lot of, okay, maybe this is probably a better way to say this to a young person.
0: You know, I do want to talk a little bit about office. I call it office politics. Um, It's, it's, <sighs> It's con- to me, I think it's too complicated, right? I don't care for it. I don't want any part in it. Uh, for me, I imagine when I see people in the office and they're always chit-chatting by the, I guess, the uh-huh. water cooler or whatever yeah, you want to call cooler, it.
1: Water cooler chat.
0: Yeah. You know, it's uh-huh. like, okay, so you find out that that coworker over there ate that coworker's food or uh-huh. did whatever played whatever prank and that prank didn't go to. Like, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. I don't care that this person doesn't like me and now I can't get this chair I need, Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case is, right? I'm out in the field. I'm outside all day. So I don't have to worry about office politics. Typically, it doesn't affect me and I don't Mm -hmm. care for it. At the same time, I can only imagine how kids these days are now going, could go into a certain environment and they weren't taught certain, you know, actions, behaviors, and that rolls over into their their career and that could stunt somebody's (laughs) career growth possibly or... It's kind of like one of those attitudes where it will be done when I'm done with it or I'll mm-hmm. I'll get to it and I get to it. But, you know, it, same thing with the onboarding process. I mm-hmm. can kind of imagine where if they got other things going on in their life and they're not prioritizing that part of their mm-hmm. job. That's also they're not recognizing that them not completing this also affects how you have to perform at your job. Right. Like, well, does it or no, I
1: kind of look at it differently. So like I'm a history person. So I look at things like sometimes through a historical lens. And um and I think about the concept of what I call respectability politics. And um so like our parents, like when they used to have to go to work as black people, they had to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. They had to dress a certain way. Like, you know how like you could tell by who on the other end of the line, by the way, your mama answer the phone, mm-hmm. like by the way, she'd pick it up. And so I think like a the a young, the younger generation always say like they ain't going. So if they starting a new job, they're not going to let their boss talk crazy to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But whereas like our parents who who work at the same job for 30, 40 years and you don't want to lose that job. So you might. You know, you might let people you know talk a talk a talk a certain way to you, or you might act a certain way at work, and you' super stressed out. And then when you come home, you take that out on your family because you stressed out at work. That's the thing that I noticed about the, the generation above above me is that because they have to behave quote unquote a certain way, I feel like their families are the ones that they come home and then take it out on because they really mad at the white man. Like, (laughs) whereas like, I feel like the younger generation, like, no, they're not going. You're not about to talk crazy to them. If they don't Mm -hmm. like the job, guess what they going to do? They going to quit. You might not get two weeks notice. If they feel like they're not being paid adequately, you might get half, half work. And so that's why I say like, those things are positives and they're also negatives. Like I can definitely see the negatives of it. Um, but I also see the positives of it because it's transforming the workforce. I don't know if it's for the better or if it's for the worse. Like, I, It's like a big <laughs> experiment right now. But I never would have thought that we would see the day where it's like we you can work at a fast food restaurant and make $18 an hour. Like, whereas they like had Ooh. to increase those wages because you don't have anybody to fill the job. Now, we could talk about the robots taking <laughs> over the jobs and all that, but it's, it's mind boggling to me that you can work somewhere for 40 hours per week and still not be able to afford to provide the basic things for your family. So like, that's why I think the younger generation, they like, I would rather go deliver these groceries and make, Mm -hmm. make this money on my own time than to sit in an office Probably doing nothing, really, because I, it's like being held captive. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to be held captive anymore. That's what I that's what I like in it too. So I think remote work is definitely here to stay. Um, but again, when we talk about like the generational differences. Do, do you think your parents can handle a remote job? I know mine can't. They don't have the, they don't have the tech skills to do so. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, when we talk about like the differences between the generations and like what it actually looks like. The future The future of work Is changing Like I don't know I, If you ask me We really all should be Trying to figure out How to fix the robots That's about to get the jobs <laughs> Like if, if we're being smart Like shouldn't we all Be trying to figure out How to repair the AI That's about to Be doing all the stuff So Those are things that like I think about In terms of work But You know Work sucks Like Absolutely. adulting is not fun so that's why I think your podcast is powerful because it's like, you know, if somebody if somebody gave me these tips and tools, like I wouldn't I wouldn't be working. I would be working for myself or i would be doing what something different. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's powerful
0: to share, you know, these types of experiences. In your in your experience, how close. uh <sighs> So in your... Okay, I got the, I got the question. Mm-hmm. So in your personal experience, how many times do you think you have to have human-on-human human contact? So like, is a lot of your day-to-day through mm-hmm. remote? Is it through a camera now because everybody's doing remote work? Or are you actively having to interact with other co- like customers so, or people?
1: So because... So we have multiple training specialists at my job. My specific training is for people who work with juvenile offenders. So I have to be there because I need to see how they're interacting with the young people so that I can Mm -hmm. then like formulate the best types of training plans. Now the administrative part of my job. No, I do not need to be there. I actually, I think a lot of jobs, you don't need to be there, but people want you to be there because they have invested all this money into these office space infrastructures. Mm -hmm. They want you to be there, but I can probably do 90% of my job at my house. So it does. I think the pandemic has given us two distinct categories of work. Do I need to go into an office to do this or could I do this at home? And if I'm made to go into an office to do something that I could do at home, people, the, the, the attrition rates for those jobs are horrible. People aren't coming, aren't staying in them, Mm -hmm. especially with the transition back to work. So they're saying that the hybrid model works best.
0: Absolutely. There's also a a study that came out speaking and touching on the ecosystem or economic system around these office spaces, how some of the restaurants are closing down because a lot of the people who worked in the area no longer have the people there to fund their restaurant. That
1: that is what's happening. Um, Mm -hmm. And once I learned about commercial real estate and how much companies pay to lease these office spaces. Mm-hmm. But then also another thing to think about is the contracts, like everything. This is what I learned about the world is fi- find the money behind it and mm-hmm. you can figure out the reason why. I heard this quote and it said, uh, tell me the good reason why you're doing it then tell me the real reason. And I was like, "Ooh, that's a that's pretty uh pretty powerful." But once but once I started understanding the contract part of life, because just think. Let's just take for example, what's a business located here in Minnesota? Um, like Target. a major business. Target Target's headquarters here. All right, so the Target headquarters. For one, you got to think about the actual physical building. And then it within that building, there are probably dozens of contracts. You got the janitors, you got the IT people. Mm-hmm. Y'all say so you probably get their tissue from a certain place. You got the coffee, the ink pens, literally mm-hmm. everything that everything is a contract.
0: The cost of business.
1: Everything is a contract. And when you start following the money, you can see why they want people to go back into the office because it's like it's costing too much money letting people stay at home. When you yeah. when you don't come to the office, that means you're not about to spend that $5 on that coffee. You got coffee at home. That means you're not about to go to um you know, go eat, eat burgers with your coworkers at the at the pub on the corner d- during your lunch break. And so I do think that it has impacted workers because now you go into a place Service is like slow because they don't have enough workers. They're going to tip automatic 20 percent gratuity. And if one more person asks me for a tip, when I come pick up my takeout, I'm just my head is going to explode.
0: Uh, don't get us started on the tipping issue in this country but right I now. I
1: think That is really a byproduct of less people commuting in to town to mm-hmm. to to part to participate in the rat race. That is work. If you're listening to this podcast, don't get in the rat race, (laughs) figure out a different path for your life, because uh, human beings are not made to work the way that we work. Mm -hmm. You got to look at history like we're on in a planter, a planter calendar, like we're on an agricultural calendar, even for school. And I believe it was actually I think it was Henry Ford Mm -hmm. that got us working the way that we work this shift, this shift work. If you go to work from nine to five o'clock, let's just say you go to work from nine to Mm five, you have literally spent your whole, you have spent more time away from your home (laughs) than -hmm. you would be able to be productive in your home. Because don't forget, you still need about eight to 12 to sleep. Mm -hmm. So when are you supposed to spend time with your family? When are you supposed to go paint the clouds and do something that you want to do? So that's why I call it the rat race of work, and I had a chance to get out of it and to have my own business, and that showed me that it's a it's a finesse. Work is a finesse. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's a finesse because you they, you never gonna make enough to not have to work, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's like the that's how they get you because before you know it, you look up twenty years in the past, you've been working at the same place for twenty years. And you like, you don't want to leave because now you're comfortable. You might have really good rapport. Like you might say, I ain't learning no new skills. I got my job down pat. So that's how we get caught up. And I'm not, to me, the solution is pretty radical. But I'm going to tell you all what I think it is, because when you keep hearing people talk about universal basic income, universal basic income. That's not to help us. That's because we ain't going to have no choice but to need it because <laughs> you, everything costs so much. You housing. Like mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, so that's why when you when you see universal basic income somewhere, don't ever let them don't ever let anybody, the government or anybody make you feel like universal basic income is to help you. No, it's because if y'all don't give it out, people going to be sleeping on people going to be sleeping on the streets or they're going to be running up in your crib, taking your bread and your juice. So that's why they're trying to do universal basic income. And once I learned that, I was like, wow, once the robots take our jobs, (laughs) the average person is not going to be able to sustain. Like, and and it just puts me in the mindset of, well, what kind of skills can I gain now to like try to stay ahead of what I know is coming? I have no, I told you, is it fixing the robots? Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) what is it? (laughs) So... So, yeah, the rat race, like, yeah, work. Yeah. A job. No, no. It's a means like people say, just use it. Use your job as your investor. Well, I heard that. And I wish somebody would have told me that a long time ago. It would have given me a different mindset around work. So just use your job as your investor and be doing something on the side. Now, what that is, you do whatever
0: you want to do. I think part of life's goal is to. is to have a. A hobby that can start paying your bills in time. I've heard
1: that as a strategy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes I think once your hobby becomes like, once you start getting paid for it, it just ain't fun no more. Like Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> like some stuff just not it's not fun. It's like, you know, so this is like some things I would like to like keep as a hobby, but I can definitely, it's like, how do you if you if you love what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. And I think that's true, except once you start putting dollar amounts on stuff like money is really like it does like mess up a lot of stuff.
0: Do you think money, the dollar is a powerful thing? Do you think it's too powerful at this point?
1: Well, right now, I think it's the weakest it's ever been just from like a global currency standpoint.
0: But from the the saying itself. Like money, money can get you to the moon. Doesn't matter if, doesn't matter how cheap the dollar is, but it can get you to the moon, right? It can. So in that sense, it's very powerful. But do you think it's too powerful?
1: I think. Yes, because a piece of paper. Like, why does it hold so much weight? Just a little single piece of paper, right? And. Not only do I think that it is powerful. I also think that it can be used as a tool and that's why a lot of people don't have it. But I do think that it is like unconscionable to think that the majority of wealth is hoarded by like a dozen f- few people and the rest of us is like just out here. That's mm-hmm. wild for me to think. So I do think you Not know, people say like any billionaire is evil. I've heard that. And I was like, what are they talking about? And they said, well, because you can't amass that amount of wealth except for to get it off of other people. Like when you are a mm-hmm. worker in the cog, like that's what you do. You really just producing money for
0: somebody else
1: For somebody else. So, yeah, money is very powerful. And, you know, it's powerful enough that people will steal, kill. People will sell their babies. People will sell their soul, so it is very powerful. Cause you right, you are right, it is very powerful.
0: Yeah, though we're getting off topic, but I mean, do you feel like, do you feel like everybody in the state, let alone in the country, has the same economic opportunity?
1: No, and I think the whole notion of pull yourself up by your bootstraps historically, it's see, it's all about history. Historically here in America, an immigrant could come in from a third world country, start a business, have some children who are now American citizens. And now they now they live in a quote unquote American dream because now their children are able to then go to college and then they take care. Of they take care of their family. They go. On, you know what I'm saying? That's how they do. So I think the American dream is there for. People who are coming into the country. But if you already live here, you don't even know that you don't even have a concept of the American dream. Like we just born, most of us born in, in a disadvantage. So like, say, for example, here in America, the way that a lot of people amass wealth is through generational wealth. Mm-hmm. So but if my mama and my daddy ain't got nothing. Then I mean I'm starting at zero, and oftentimes you starting at less than zero because they probably then kind of messed you over too with they lack of. So we be starting like twenty paces behind, and by the time we realize it, we thirty, we forty already. So it's like dang, now I gotta work at this job and retire from here because I can't really see how I'm gonna get out of this hole any other type of way. So. I think generational wealth is a big thing that most people, if you got it, you don't even recognize it. If you don't got it, you don't even recognize it. Cause you ain't never had nothing. (laughs) But if -hmm. your parents, like if you, if it's a known thing that this house has been in our family for 20 years, like you don't even really know that how, how much of a come up that is like for you to be able to now get the equity out of there. And what you gonna do with the equity? Probably go get some more property. Like you might invest it in a business or you might go to Disneyland, but like people don't realize the power of that generational wealth and how many people are starting at zero. And if you went to college, you probably starting at negative because you incurred debt before you were able to understand mm-hmm. what you were doing. So now you 50 to hundred grand in the hole, what you going to do work? You're going to be working for the rest of your life. So it's just, a, it's just a, it's a, it's a cycle, a vicious cycle.
0: Do you think we in our community especially have the opportunity to succeed if I guess did actually put our, pull our boots up by the bootstraps or whatever?
1: So, so another thing that goes with that saying is that how are you going to tell me to pull myself up by my bootstraps when I don't even got no boots?
0: Let me, okay. Let me push this a little bit. So I'm an avid believer and I think we in our community do have the economic means to succeed a lot more than we give ourselves to. I think when you have industries that are literally built off the backs of our people, like a billion dollar hair industry that frankly could we could do without. But we have the money. No,
1: no, no. Hold on now, because. (laughs) You so I think you you have to think about Why? The industry is the way that it is. It's not like black people just woke up one day and said, hey, Korean people take all of our money in the hair care industry. That's not how that happened. Mm -hmm. And so I think when people when people say, oh, anybody can do it. No, because I I think that the historical nature of how the Korean um, Korean Americans got the hair care industry The black hair care industry and the economic stranglehold, you cannot discount that part from it. So it ain't enough to say, "Okay, black women, like why y'all keep on buying all these weaves from these Korean people? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We can say that. And I think nowadays there are different means for you not to have to do that because now you can go online. You can you can actually find some, you know, black people that are a part of the hair care industry. You're going to pay more. But why, why are you going to pay more? Because guess what? The Korean people don't give them the same supply. Like it's the supply chain. And so I think when we think about if you tell me any industry, I can probably tell you historically how a, a group has been marginalized out of it. And for the most part, it'd be black people. So you right. tell me to put myself about, out, up by my bootstraps, but you took my boots. I had a shoe factory. You burned it down. Not only did you burn it down, but you burned it down. Then you drug my husband out of the house and strung him up in the tree to tell him, don't y'all ever start another shoe factory again. So now you got people scared to start a shoe factory because they don't want it to get burnt. So it's just like all these different factors that I think create these levels of, and this word is so overused, but it creates these levels of trauma to the point that now we in 2023. And the chains are mental instead of physical. Whereas you like, no, we can do whatever we want. Some people still got those mental chains on, they, on, on, on them. So you might say, well, why? Why are we keep on spending our money in in the in this beauty supply store? But not knowing that, OK, like, well, you know that when we talked about work earlier and how some black women, you got to look a certain type of way. So you got to go support the Korean and buy the jail because you can't go into the office with your rollers in your head or a bonnet on your head. or You can't just wake, shake and go. So I think a lot of things create other things. That's why I'm always like, well, let's get to the root of it. And I think we you can never make generalizations. You always got to like try to dig a little bit deeper to like figure out Why? And that's that's what that's why I like history, because it gives me a lot of the why. It's not so much to say, man, black people got so much economic buying power, but they be buying Jordans. (laughs) I would you I would have
0: to say, well, why is that? Well, there's an answer for that, believe it or not. That's not that's not new. If you look at the economics behind us, even back in the 30s, 1930s. We have we were described buying luxurious things. And the why behind it was because of slavery. We um, had nothing. That's what I'm trying to the tell you. The first chance um, we got it. You just you just we made my point. It. So the you can't is, say to pick yourself yeah. up by your
1: bootstraps.
0: But we have boots. Not, well, okay, hear me out, hear me, me out this, we got is why, this is why I argue that <laughs> <laughs> The reason why I argue that we have boots Matter of fact, we have some fancy boots We got some really nice shoes We have the cars, we have the watches We, have the, we TJ, spend our money on the road. I'm sorry, you go things. by Thomas
1: I'm sorry, what's, what's your name on the podcast?
0: <laughs> you know, Listen Y'all can't call me TJ though <laughs> <I know>. Thomas, <laughs> check this out You
1: might have the boots on your feet, right? Mm-hmm. But guess what? You ain't paid your child support your baby ain't eight. No, your kids don't got no college funds. You have nothing for retirement, but you got them boots on. You got that nice chain, but I go in your house, you sleeping on the air mattress. Your card notes, $700. Mm-hmm. You got all this credit card debt, but I but your your boots look good though. And you just really got them boots on so that you can appear to look good for the outside world. But inside, stuff be so messed up, like super messed up. And like, I think that's a part of that psychological enslavement that a lot of us are in. It's like, let me just get let me let me wear this Dolce & Gabbana shirt with this big old logo, because I need y'all to know I got on Dolce & Gabbana. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think once you once I learned that. We wear our wealth, we got to show it. And it's, it's psychological. We've
0: been doing it for over 100 years. Mm-mm. Almost hundred years We've been
1: doing it Longer than that Let me let me, let me me tell you So it's nothing wrong With adornments Like I feel like That's what people do Like even if you look Like back in like Ancient Egypt and stuff Like people wear adornments To like set themselves apart Because it's it's always Levels to society You're gonna have to, You're gonna have The peasants <laughs> Like you know You're gonna have The kings and queens You're gonna have The court mm-hmm. gestures Like it's always Levels to society So I don't think There's anything Inherently wrong with that I think Part of it is that now we're to a place where it's like we have access to so much information. So it's like, well, why don't you know why you don't, you know, you can probably get them. You can you can buy a knockoff version of those boots now it's, and have paid less, but they'll still look like the real thing. Like it's so many different ways to mm-hmm. to get to a different end. But you have to be open and you have to what they say, ignorance is bliss. And I try not to ever fault people for stuff that they don't know, because maybe you don't know. You know, the average person probably cannot articulate why they feel the need to adorn themselves and have a zero balance in their bank account. They probably can't articulate that to you because they ain't even probably thought about it. They just know it makes them feel good to put their chains on and go out to the club. Like, so it's, so once you're able to like, articulate those things out loud and in your mind, that's where like healing can come in. But most people ain't ready to be healed because you, it's painful. It's a painful thing to think like, wow, I think lowly of myself and I'd like to wear adornments so that I can get attention that way. Like who wants Mm. to say that? Nobody.
0: All right. I got to push back a little bit. I'm going to push back just, just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I go hard on our community. You do. I, I'm, I'm you really- like a, You
1: like a, you like a, um, yeah. sometimes you remind me of um, a conservative Republican. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I hate to say that Because it has such a
0: A negative notation Yeah you right? know what I'm saying
1: yeah. Like and so it And mm-hmm. so as a I don't ever want to So we Go ahead Finish up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But But I But, I, but yeah I'll take it as a compliment like a <laughs> I'll, I'll take it like, as a compliment
0: My political know, side it. Okay But I, I, The reason why I go hard Is because We're, we're in a day and age Where I hear nothing but, From our side But Google is free I don't have to explain this to you You can Google it like we we're so kicked to can throw that. Can,
1: can we can we scratch the surface of that a little bit deeper? Absolutely. Even if you know how to Google stuff nowadays, the next question I will ask is can you decipher fake news from real news? Mm-hmm. Do you know what is a scam site and what's not? And most people can't tell. They be making them look so real.
0: Yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. I I I really can't fault people for for stuff that because even on Google, like you got to you got to
0: got a pair of like, you. know what I'm saying? like it's, <laughs>
1: are these, Is this real? Like you got to yeah. You can't even click on all Google links. You you think you want to Ugh shopping <laughs> store and you all the way shopping in you know Nigeria or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I I do like I agree with what you're saying, but things are just not as simple as they used to be.
0: But that's the thing, right? If we're so quick to say Google is free, mm-hmm. meaning either you know what you did mm-hmm. or. Go look it up Mm because I'm not going to explain it to you, meaning that they already know what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm inclined to believe that we know a lot more about our situation than a lot of us want to look in the mirror and really admit that out loud to themselves because it hurts. Yeah, there's that trauma response, but that's also the problem you are. You could be aware of a trauma and want to do nothing about it. Yes. I can't logically hear someone say I bought this really expensive iPhone and I keep buying iPhones. I bought this nice Jordan. I go to the club. You know, you're blowing your money and that's a choice. It's a messed up choice. But you're also aware that you got a bill for your electric in, in two days and it's about to be past due.
1: Listen, you sound like a rational person.
0: A lot of people are more rational than we put on.
1: No, a lot of people are messed up in the head. Absolutely. A lot of people are messed up in the head. And because we remember we talked about money earlier, see how it all come back full circle. We live in such a capitalistic society, like such a capitalistic society that people are willing to. It's the it's the power of the almighty dollar. That dollar can make you rather Feed your addiction Mm -hmm. To go buy something Rather than taking care Of your light bill It's that gratification Like that dollar Will Make you say I'm about to go To the casino To try to double this Because I ain't got none And I'll just Not pay this light bill Mm -hmm. That seems like An irrational decision But when you feel like You ain't ever had nothing I'm gonna go take my chance on, on, On playing this lottery it's, and I'll take care of that light bill later It was irrational mm-hmm. Super irrational <laughs> Like, but it's it, A lot of it goes Back to money And I find that a lot of Our problems Can be traced Back to money Now me, I have an uncanny ability to trace Because I'm a, I'm a history person I can trace anything back to slavery It could be that wooden coaster right there I could tell you how I go back to slavery <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of trauma's to go back to economic problems. Like especially within our community. Like and I mean uh, amongst other things, but the the almighty dollar like I it can make you it just make people act funny. Money make people act funny. Money makes people move funny. That's why they say, like, don't do business yeah. with your friends. Like, it's all these sayings that we know. And then it's not until you encounter those situations where you like, I get why they said don't do that.
0: But I hear that. And I I think you are headed. Like, that's yeah. part of the reason why I said about this podcast is like you 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 have an older generation that continues to pass knowledge to you. and You just disregard it. That's no, every generation. No. Every generation TJ, does that. What else, what
1: else can be passed down? In addition to knowledge, yeah,
0: trauma, trauma, and, you know, but but TJ, but you're a part of the, we're a part of the generation. I'm a millennial too, so I'm gonna say we. But you, you are young millennial. Hey, millennial nonetheless. When when did you get your first cell phone? How old was? That's you? not fair. I'm
1: just curious. Then <laughs> yeah, was it a was it a uh, like what was it a track phone? Like it was a was flip
0: it? phone. It was I I was around that time. Did we it had have the a razor color phones. screen.
1: Was it the color? Was it? Did you have a color screen? Or the was Motorola
0: it razors. I had a phone around. I had a side. It was actually called a Sidekick. That was my your first, first phone.
1: phone. Was a Sidekick?
0: It's <laughs> lit up. Had a full keyboard oh, on you it. you were wealthy. I <laughs> bought a PS3 at the same oh, time. Were, I, had, I, hey, hey, I had the Jordans and everything. Hey, I was balling, all right? She was wealthy. Too young with a job. Didn't know what to do with the money. Do
1: you feel like you were buying things to mask your pain? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just joking. I I'm was joking. aware enough just the probably just trying
1: to age. keep up with the, the Joneses. But you know what say. though? I, I
0: had a family to an extent that did, like my mom, she allowed, mm-hmm. she, my father didn't want me to buy the PlayStation 3 when it dropped. Okay. My mom said it's his money, do what you want. So to an extent, yeah. I, I have, I'll, I'll extend a knowledge branch. I I get what you're saying. That mm-hmm. that buy let him buy what he wants. It's his yeah, money. Work for it, you know. Versus another person that's like he should probably save his money. He should learn that lesson. Yes. Really instill that. You know, it's 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 tough because even with my younger brother, I try to mm-hmm. have some of those conversations with him too. Like you're mm-hmm. you're going into college, but you can save as much as you can because tuition, you, you know, know this and that. Let me tell so. something.
1: Because speaking of that, oh about why this podcast is so important because I been, mean, you know, in, a little kind of in tune with your brother's college process and like mm-hmm. helping him grow up and get to the finish line. And I feel like he don't listen. Like, I feel like he don't listen and I, and I, and I feel like, Hey, literally I can map this out for you step by step and you still not listening. And is, and you know what I realized is <laughs> nothing we can do about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the thing that bothers me, though, because I do, I, I have, I try to consistently keep young people to mentor, mentor them, and it's hard when they don't listen. But then they got to circle back, and you got to fix it and clean mm-hmm. it up. That's the thing that really bothers me, and I, 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 like, an I, <laughs> I, I told, told you, little brother, like if you just listen to us, <laughs> I think I, if you just listen to us, mm-hmm. we can get you through college debt free or for minimal debt. Like, Mm -hmm. but I think he, I think younger, they don't think you know what you're talking about.
0: You know, I got to, I'm going to play advocate and only because there's a legitimate reason why I would give them a, a, I can't even give you the measurement on why it's such a small excuse or explanation for it. To be fair, we watched technology developed. We had rotary phones, flip phones, house phones, car Mm -hmm. phones growing up. Mm -hmm. We had an iMac that was this big. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Their iMac was their cell phones. They 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 grew up good and point. they're literally tied to this technology. And like you said, capitalism is, is it's it's social media, capitalism. Everything's peddled I to agree. them. It's so available. They grew up in the day where if they wanted to right now, mm-hmm. today, they can go on their phone, hit three taps and order something. And it could be to them by the end of the day. But this we is didn't the, have that. But this
1: is the this is this is the thing. And I think I, maybe maybe I have. I have this saying is this like this African proverb. It goes only a fool tests the depths of the water with both feet. So if you're trying to see how deep water is, only a fool going to jump both feet in (laughs) to do that. And we know a lot of fools, right? That do that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. Me, I've always been like, I've been blessed with a decent sense of like cautiousness. So like, I'm, I'll stick a foot in. If I see you, I don't need to do that cuz I saw you do it. Mm-hmm. And and I think with like the young a younger generation most people I feel like the generation above us I feel like they didn't give us the game the way that we're willing to give it to the people underneath us. Because I feel like a lot of them their mentality was I had to get it on my own. You got to get it on your own too. Mm-hmm. But it's like, um, well, actually, if we're if you are struggling, it's probably a highly percentage I'm going to struggle to parent or guardian or person that's supposed to be looking out for me, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that is a byproduct. I take it back to slavery, that whole get it on your own piece, trying to being tough on children to protect them, blah blah blah, like, whoa Absolutely. no I don't, need, I don't need all that. Just buy a house and give it to me. <laughs> like <laughs> just like can't give me you know like put it in the, put it in the wheel. But I think the mentality is, is you got to get it on your own. But I think our generation, we are more willing to provide game and tell up trade secrets because we want people to have a better life than we did. So like if so like with your little brother and I hope you watch this. If if we telling you, hey, we went to school, we got these advanced degrees and we telling you the dollar amount of debt that we have associated with these advanced degrees. Why wouldn't you listen to us, step by step, so that you don't have to have this same position in life? Ha- college debt is crippling, and people don't realize that it prevents it prevents people from doing a lot of stuff they would normally do
0: or get what they should have: a car, a house. How
1: about just buying a house, or even feeling co- confident enough to start a family mm-hmm. in a in a in a in a in a certain way? Not up. I just slipped up and had a baby. Guess what? Now I got a family. No, you have a baby mother and you have a child. So y'all ain't even together. Like, y'all, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So it's just like yeah. that. That's why I think that's why I think that marriage rates are so low, because I feel like the the planning aspect just it. How can you? You can't plan for some stuff. You might just be like, OK, well, if it happens, it happens. Like, and mm-hmm. I think that's the mentality that people have. And I think that it is directly just tied to like just the lack of economics. Like it's just a lack of economics. Just in
0: society, and um, it's it's I I lack of economic knowledge. Yeah, I'm I'm somebody who's when I when I think about millennials, I think about the culture of a millennial, mm-hmm. right? There's there, I think there's several different subsets of of blackness, a mm-hmm. black greatness, whatever you want to call it, referred to like it as excellence. Excellence. Just I'm gonna say there's there's so many different subcultures of black, mm-hmm. right? Um, one thing that bothers me to an extent is like the black millennial. And when mm-hmm. you talk about the culture in the black millennial, you do have the healthier conversations about seeking therapy, getting, oh, yeah. gaining knowledge, passing it on. Yep. I, I look to that generation. And when I say, right, when I think of anyone born after mm-hmm. the year 2000s, I cannot give them an excuse.
1: But listen, but can I, can I, let me push back on that because mm-hmm. most of the time trauma Does not manifest itself In a pretty box Mm -hmm. So it's not like a matter of That the majority of millennials said Let's address this trauma Let's make TikTok videos Talking about our childhood trauma No, a lot of that stuff came from Failed relationships It came from you probably having like These crazy traumatic experiences And sitting in somebody's chair And then saying, you know what Unlike the generation before me I'm not going to be ashamed to talk about this Mm-hmm. and And that takes a lot, because oftentimes those conversations where you were where millennials are like addressing those childhood traumas, that make your parents look bad. And you know, the first, you do not bring shame mm-hmm. to your family. so it's it is i so i so I give millennials a lot of credit because the number one thing that black people tell you growing up is what happens in this house stays in this house. And so, You know how trauma really manifests itself through relationships, not like always like romantic, but like business relationships, friendships. Like that's how trauma manifests itself. That's what I've noticed is that that's when like you can kind of like see like okay, this person. they might have a little something going on. Like maybe something from their childhood. <laughs> like yep. maybe it's from their childhood, but it's through relationships. It's in a, it's in, when you're in relation with other people, that's when you can recognize your trauma. Because most of the time you ain't triggered by nothing until you start mm-hmm. getting in relationship with other people and something they might do might remind you of something that your mama did. And you like, ah, you know, you go. So, mm-hmm. it's, so I think trauma manifests itself, but you sometimes you just got to live life in order for it to like manifest itself. You know, but you got to be willing and open to like seek help. Mm-hmm. And I think millennials are. So I think you spot on with saying like, and technology has helped. Mm-hmm. But I will say that as a millennial, these are conversations but that I have had sitting, just sitting around a table with my friends, like about just childhood traumas and like things that we're not going to do to traumatize our children and the generation after us, like and unashamedly, like these are conversations that I think are necessary, so that you can know like I'm not crazy, my mama was, but I'm mm-hmm. not, <laughs> but then you can also say, I get why she was crazy though, because this happened to her mm-hmm. but most of the time they not, they 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 don't tell you
0: the the last slave was freed eighty years ago, almost. Not even. Don't even
1: get me started on that. I told you I, 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 can, <laughs> I, can, I can relate that. I can relate that coaster to back to slavery. I'm
0: telling you. I think, and and this is why I go so hard because we're we're at a quest, a, a, cre- a crest, mm-hmm. or you can and say a precipice. Precipice. We are at a point. Truly in our community where these conversations are being had, there has been phenomenal groundwork, phenomenal foundation. So many resources. Too many, too many resources and frankly, not enough at the same time. And And not enough. And why I'm going so hard, because when I look at an 18 year old, I'm like, you don't realize you don't have an excuse. They oh
1: see uh, uh,
0: it's see, I'm hard. CJ, I have you to go so... hard I have to uh, Cause, I, cause
1: get, I get it I get what It's hard to that. push
0: back cuz hear me out this is why I, I have to bring it back to something I said mm-hmm. earlier like 20 minutes ago we have the money we are we disadvantaged in so many ways absolutely you cannot say okay. billion dollar industries and we why do you need to go and put the weave it's not about where you get the weave from it's not about the uh-huh. the structure behind it it's why would you go and spend $500 to get your hair done when you have a $500 car payment What's Are you more?
1: serious? Can we? Okay, so let's unpack
0: it. But think about that, though. No, let's
1: unpack it. Let's actually name the trauma and the reasons, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so I don't know if you know this, but the history of black women and their hair okay
0: hold on hold because on, hold on
1: no because you ain't about to know because you oh. don't because you you better you better you better switch that weave example then you better give me a different fine. example
0: okay fine 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 because you want
1: because i have to tell you about the historical traumas that black women and do you know how difficult oh, it yeah. is being a black girl
0: i, I know the history i know and the
1: hair dealing with the, so that was give, not a fair better, okay, okay let me change, change it let me change it. let me let, change, let me, on, let me, let me redeem it. this let me redeem. this. you ain't finna do black
0: women and I don't want to hear any, any kind of connections behind. We ain't have shoes in the fields and why we got a, a two, right, okay. $3 billion shoe industry. Okay. Go ahead. Tell okay. Me. If, why, why would you go out? There are lines, lines mm-hmm. wrapped around a block, people mm-hmm. camping out for a new pair of Jordans. Yes. All right. So let me tell you this. What is, what? Let me tell you why. Mm-hmm. Tell you the history of this one.
1: All right. So who are the most wealthy people in the black community? Athletes and entertainers.
0: I got a theory on that too. Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. save so it. So athletes
1: <laughs> and entertainers. Mm-hmm. So sports, particularly basketball, have been historically dominated by black men. Michael Jordan means so much to black men in sports as like a sign of like the greatness, the pinnacle. If you think about the where sports are now sports and hip hop culture has really melded themselves together and have, have really become like the culture, black culture, blah, blah, blah. Jordans are so popular because it's a part of the culture. And, and, and we didn't even talk about the status symbol of it. Do you know that you can, you, and you can Google this mm-hmm. back when you, before you were probably born, there was like a rash of, People getting killed Mostly young black children getting killed For their Jordans Mm -hmm. For those shoes Because they the status symbol They meant so much That even when I'm going to school I might live in this poor neighborhood But my mama gonna make sure I got a nice pair of shoes on my feet We ain't got no food at home But mama gonna make sure I got a nice pair of shoes That's because for the outside world You gotta appear to be a certain way Like so it might it, It don't it does not make any sense. Like you can't you you can't try to rationalize it no type of way. Like because it's not rational, it's
0: irrational behavior. But irrational behavior is rational because it's explainable in some sub, in some contexts. It never is because because it because it's individualized. But this isn't an it's individualized individual. situation if it's a culture in the community.
1: But, but but it's not everybody. But the, it's the, too many. I don't think I think nowadays I think. So when I was growing up. When I was younger in school, like having a nice pair of shoes was like a still a thing. Mm -hmm. But this younger generation, I feel like they care less about that status symbol piece of it. They are. It's like a whole vibe for them not to be on that sort of train. Mm -hmm. And that's the good thing, I think, when we talk about the generational differences is that younger generation, they they. They go. They're like anti culture or like anti society, (laughs) like so. Whereas they'll, they, you know, so it's so it's like they actively rebuff certain things, which is good in some way, but it's bad in other ways because they just anything goes. There's no line, and I think when when there's no line, I, I call myself a cultural critic. Like, you know, it's like, well, what makes you to be able to be a cultural critic? Well, I like culture. I study culture. I study history. Like, and I, but I also consider myself to be a cultural critic because I believe that there are certain things that we have to be critical of Mm -hmm. and you can't be critical of everything nowadays. Like you will literally, you could lose your whole livelihood (laughs) for saying the wrong thing,
0: (laughs) but there has to
1: be a line. I believe in art. Everything can be art, but that don't mean I, I can't critique it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and this and, and I think the younger generation they have blurred the lines between what is real, what is not real, and anything goes. And I think my main issue, and I and I and I feel like an old person saying this, but my main issue is I just think that everything is just too overly sexualized. That's the main issue that I have with culture and society. And just as a youth advocate, I feel like everything is just a way to out there in the open for them and they just exposed to way too much. And I think that a lot of the music that we listen to is just pornography, audio pornography. That's what I call it.
0: I think think it's a fair adaptation of it, but to be fair at the same time, I mean, that's nothing new. It's, it's music in general in our culture has arguably since the eighties been leading to this point. It's about the, there's, been, there's been more innuendos the, at that time. But, it's, but the, it's the access to it. It is. It is abundantly the, the access boundaries. to it.
1: Young, the younger generation, they don't. There are no boundaries. And part of that is because, like you said, they grew up with an with iPhone six in their hand. Mm-hmm. So there are no boundaries. There are certain things that I even noticed that they will do in the presence of adults that I would never do or I would never say. And to me, that is just a time What they say times is changing. Like I wouldn't, it's just certain things I would never say or do. Certain music, I knew I had to listen to it away from adults. Mm-hmm. I would never be dancing like this in front of adults. Like this, it was like distinct lines between how you act in front of adults and how you act when you with your friends. But now the lines are blurry,
0: too blurry for me. I'm almost tempted to argue the moving forward And I've been thinking about this. I don't think it's culture. I think it's an epidemic in our community. I think it's a sickness because it's not beneficial at any point. Your culture can be sick. Absolutely. But I don't want to consider that culture. I don't want to normalize. What you want to call it then? An epidemic. It's a sickness. The reason why. (sighs) Okay. Hear me out though. That's the beauty about some forms of culture. Mm -hmm. It can change. It does. It does. It can shift. It can. This happened Essentially, to the point where we're at now so fast, it's like it's like a pandemic.
1: You know what? So just as a history person, right, I Mm -hmm. always try to understand how do we get here with the music piece? This is what I learned. Atlanta is the strip club capital of the world. So back back, you know, back in my day, back in the day, you could like music. Had a certain place You was only gonna hear that In the strip club mm-hmm. So Atlanta Stripper music Has now been outsourced All across the globe But let's just keep it on the, In the country Has been outsourced All across the country And now that's why Our music is the way that it is I'm not blaming Atlanta But from my understanding That's where It started at, it was really strip club down South strip club music. That's now the norm and the standard. So I'm with you. I do push back sometimes on Mm -hmm. calling it culture, but I'm not ashamed of black culture. Like, and it's not a monolithic thing. There are so many different aspects to it. Mm -hmm. Like you put on the right song. I might get up and dance too, you know, but Mm -hmm. maybe not in front of my mama. <laughs> you know, like maybe I'm not about to do it and put it on TikTok.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: So I think it's just the I never discount the history of how stuff got the way that it got. And I I think it did happen fast, like you said, but I think the speed is just because of technology.
0: Absolutely. Well,
1: do do you when you were younger, were you are you are you old enough? To have downloaded free music? Absolutely.
0: Livewire.
1: Okay. So that was a game changer for our generation. Mm -hmm. So that is really what put into motion the lack of boundaries. Because before, you couldn't even go to the store to buy explicit music without Mm -hmm. your parents getting it for you you really wasn't about to bring no CD up in it. You want you going to play it out loud? What, you ain't, we, <laughs> you only had a probably a little cheap Walkman that would skip every time you moved and the battery is probably dead hey. to it. The headphones, like, so there was just, you had to wait until your parents went to bed to watch certain stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. And then again, don't let them come down and say, I bet you going to change. And so I think when we just think about like why, how we got here is technology, and I think it has a lot to do with us accepting stuff.
0: Oh, I want to I want to preface it that a little bit too with um like call girls in mm-hmm. the music industry and only having you know I remember watching this Wait, uh, a call
1: girl like a that you call on the phone
0: no so some of the call girls in the industry were women that were like. There were the hot ones and the music mm-hmm. videos, the ones that did oh, sometimes. Oh, video, video vixens. Yeah, video vixens. You okay. know, they were the people you would call occasionally. But okay. then what you had is an industry where people oh, were I starting to say, "Hey, I'll do it," because they would get paid three thousand so dollars a video. Let
1: me let me get let me give you a little bit even more insight into that. So before, so magazines, King Magazine. Mm-hmm. Like the Source magazine, that's where. Uh, so, okay, so now I told you I could take it back to slavery. Historically speaking, black women were discriminated against in the modeling industry, right? We know mm-hmm. that. So one way they was able to get in was through hip hop, and they were considered to be models, you know, because they were models. Mm-hmm. It evolved, like you said, into. The Korean Stephens, the superheads. I'm about to I'm about to write a book. I'm going to take all these rappers down and then I'm write a book about it. Mm. You know, because capitalism what capitalism does. And so I know exactly what you're talking about with how much they used to get paid because I heard, I saw or read something about that. But I think with anything, market saturation. Yep. Like now the product is cheapened. It's cheapened. Mm -hmm. because now anybody will do it and they'll they'll, it'll go even further whereas before you probably had to turn in two headshots be a part of this modeling agency now no you just get on instagram and
0: (laughs) hey anybody want to be a part of this video you just
1: toot your booty up and now you in the video Mm -hmm. and so it does now you don't got to pay them as much
0: or at all or (laughs) they'll do it for free some of them will be jumping for a better opportunity to go home with you. So some of these artisans and they talk about that. Clout
1: it's- is currency. People mm-hmm. will kill you for clout. Look at the, look at, look, look at the people that killed Nipsey Hussle.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, they'll kill you. They'll kill you for, for, for anything, for clout, like just to, to get famous off of it.
0: Blows my mind. And I, to an extent, I see what you're saying. I I disown any part of that as culture. I call it. I I see it as just a pure sickness. It's a mental uh, deterioration of someone's mental psyche. If they're mm-hmm. if that's truly where their mindset is and that's and they're doing everything else in their power to get to there. I, I love the saying you are so knowledged in this. You're willing to do so much. You're putting so much energy towards it. If you put it towards anything else, you so, might have been a millionaire.
1: So can I can I give you another example of why I say I'm not ashamed of the culture. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: What is white culture?
0: They have culture. I'm I'm not going to say the stereotypical. No, no. so so, so I I just
1: want you to think about it this way. Mm -hmm. Take it back to slavery and the concept of like a breeding farm where they would breed the female slaves. And once the babies were born, you know, they would call it a litter Is it a fair fair thing for me to say That's white culture And you see right now What they're trying to do Is they don't want you To even talk about stuff like that They putting it They making laws So that you can't talk about that So that's why I say I'm not ashamed of black culture Because You see how I said What's white culture Why don't we consider that To be white culture I do That's why I'm so if, If they But you see how ashamed They are of that but my, but my stance is I'm not going to let y'all try to make me ashamed of, of what y'all call my culture Because I know it's much deeper than that Like And, that, and that's why I always kind of Yeah, that's just black A lack of fathers That's just black culture Okay, we can say that that's a part of it But there's also other parts too And what's a part of your culture? Because I know history So you can't try to demonize certain aspects of my culture And make me ashamed of it Because that's what they do When I know that black culture Is way deeper than that Like so multifaceted That's why I'm telling you Like you can't You can't say to me Black women spend all this money On hair weave Well okay Well I also understand The historical reason Why that is So you can't make me feel No type of way about black women And their hair weave Now bonnets That be making me mad (laughs) (laughs) The bonnets has gone too far Once I seen the hat bonnets I said Okay it's out of control now Mm -hmm. I'm okay with it as a protective style, but just put on a hat like.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. I digress. Thanks for watching this video all the way to the end. We really appreciate it. A special shout out to Green Screen Studios here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Listen, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, you can direct message us either on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. It's always going to be chocolate underscore espresso underscore Listen, we really appreciate you. I said it once, I said it twice, I'm gonna say it a billion times if that's what it takes. If you guys wanna reach out to us, especially if you know anyone or if maybe you wanna be interviewed about your job, the goal is to really teach a lot of youth about the different opportunities that are available to them. College is great, it's always gonna be great, not every, not everybody wants to go to college or maybe college just isn't on the table right now. So I want to push as much content that retains the jobs and jobs that may or may not require college. Maybe you just need to network. Maybe you just got to put a lot of work into the beginning as an entry level person. But, you know, I really look forward to producing as many interviews as I can and posting it. I appreciate you guys and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day.